Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 175. This episode is with the SNC coach and sports therapist at Bayern Munich, Lorena Sumzer. So Lorena came on to discuss her slightly different background to a lot of the people that come on the podcast from a skiing background. So we discussed some of her takeaways from skiing, um, how skiers perform, how they prepare, and maybe some crossovers to how she prepares her players now. We spoke about some key considerations when working with female players. We talked about how she feels like she can make the greatest impact with her players, creating buy-in and also whether she has any specific KPIs for players to hit to get them first team ready as well. So really good, interesting conversation with Lorena and I hope you take plenty from the episode. Just before we get into the episode, just want to give a quick shout out to our upcoming networking events as this episode goes out on Wednesday the 16th of Feb we're going to be at Everton um, with David Flower, Lewis Charnock and James Malone all presenting then we've got a meeting down at Oxford United Wednesday the 2nd of March with Harry Routledge and Chris Neville and we've got people booking onto that already so make sure you go and grab your tickets for that one And then if you can't make either of those, on Thursday the 17th of March, we are at Bristol City's training ground. We've got three presenters on that one. Steve Taylor, we've got Del Bonsu, both from um, Bristol City, and we've also got Rich Clark presenting as well. So tickets still available for that one, and there are early bird tickets available for that Bristol meeting too. So if you want tickets for any of our events, head to footballfitfed.com. Click the shop tab and you'll be able to get your tickets there. Just another quick point before we get into the episode. We sent out a roundup, a January newsletter. And if you want to receive that newsletter, we're going to be sending it out every month. You can join our email list by going to footballfitfed.com and just putting your email in at the contact us page. We sent out an update on everything that's going on at Football Fitness but also some recent podcasts that I've listened to that I've taken the most from. Um, Obviously not our podcast, other podcasts. My current read, um, so I'm trying to get into reading a little bit more, so the current book that I'm reading, and then also events that I'm going to be going out to as well. So recently went out to High Performance Podcast, the live event in Manchester, and I've got a few others coming up as well. So if you want to receive that email, and a monthly email going forward, make sure to join our email list by going to footballfitfed.com and just go onto the contact page and just put your email in there. And last thing before we get into the episode, I just want to say a massive thank you to our sponsors. So first of all, Black Box Fitness. Black Box are the world's best training equipment, accessory and apparel brand. Black Box believes that training isn't just a checkbox on your to-do list. Training is a lifestyle, continually seeking your highest performance in the gym, on the pitch at home and in everyday life. To perform at your best, you need the best and Black Box has you covered. So make sure you go and check them out over on social media at Black Box Fitness. And then also a big shout out to Rezzle as well. Rezzle is the world's leading cognitive training platform for sport. By using VR technology, Rezzle and Player22 can create game style scenarios and recreate pressure to help you prepare for the real thing. So make sure you go and check Rezzle out at Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L, and then underscore over on social media. Let's get into the episode now. So episode 175 with Lorena Sumzer, the SNC coach and sports therapist at Bayern Munich. 
Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 175 and I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast today by Lorena Sumza. Lorena is the SNC coach and sports therapist at Bayern Munich. So Lorena, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Ben. It's great to have you on. I know we've got a few different topics lined up to talk about, so I'm keen to get into those. But I've just mentioned your current role, Lorena. But can you take yeah. us back? Can you give us a little bit of a, a history lesson on yourself, where you've been, what you've been up to? Oh, boy. Um, well, where to start? So, first of all, I do not have, like, a bachelor or whatever in sports and exercise or whatever you call it in English. Um, so I got a, a bachelor's in health management, actually. And just from there, because here in Germany, I did, like, it's kind of a two, like, two-way kind of thing so you have a bit of a practical thing so where you full-time work and then you study next to it um, and because I did that in a physiotherapy um, I just got more and more into this like training aspect of things and I kind of stayed and educated myself more for like more in training and um, like what I want to be as a coach because I also like I'm super active myself I'm like been playing sports my whole life um, so I just wanted to work more and more in that and then um I got lucky to to grab the role at Bayern and to also work at like a physiotherapy too and, and just develop my life from there. Yeah. And um, currently I'm, uh, well, I'm working and um, sometimes I play football, SEO British people call it. <laughs> so I might slip a soccer every now and then, but I'm, I'm apologizing in advance for that. <laughs> no, brilliant. Now you just mentioned that you've had, or you are, quite active and you, you compete in different sports um do you want to give us a little bit more information on that because that's gonna that's gonna be the first pathway we go down in terms of some of your background so well sorry i mean i grew up in a countryside so basically doing everything um i grew up doing everything but like what's probably the most influential to me um in my life is kind of my skiing history so um my dad's a ski instructor and he kind of probably put me on ski before I could even walk um so yeah that like influenced me through my whole life basically we were always up skiing in the mountains outside and um just as like whole skiing environment is just so different from probably every other sport than I did before like any other team sport or whatever just by like the work ethic and how things usually work on a like on a slope or like in a ski resort um so yeah and then obviously I did a lot with like balls I grew up playing basketball always kicking a soccer ball with the boys and uh, yeah so that's basically it and now I kind of stayed you know it's like kind of uh trying to fit it in every now and then and uh, yeah brilliant and I I always like going into topics like this with people that have had slightly different backgrounds or they've been involved in different sports, maybe. And with skiing, I can't really remember anyone that's been on the podcast before that's talked about that. I might be wrong. Um, but I, I, I always like asking when people are from a slightly different background, your takeaways, you've just mentioned the sort of work ethic that goes into um, skiing and preparation for skiing. But is there anything that you implement in your current role with the players that you think has come from that sort of background um yeah what I like really try to get 
going with the girls is just that like mindset that you just learn to dress your own abilities first and then you trust the team because obviously I mean you have a team around yourself in ski racing for example but you're in the end it's just you on the track or on the racetrack or you on the slope so you are responsible for everything you do there you're responsible for all the mistakes for you like flying into the air and like crashing or you're also responsible for having the greatest run of the day you know um and just that like awareness that you are the one being responsible for your own actions is something i really want to um push with my girls especially now that they're um under 17 you know they're growing up and they're kind of sometimes hiding behind the fact that they're like in a team sport and I mean of course you have a team you work with the team so it's not just only you but just that thing that it's you in the first place and then the team in the second place um that's the one thing that I really want to push and when you are like when uh, an athlete is confident in their own abilities um and is sure about their abilities then they work better in a team they work better with the team and then therefore the team gets better so that's kind of the thing that I really want to um push in the first place and that's the most important thing yeah yeah brilliant I think that's becoming more the case now isn't it more um highlighted I suppose in the team setting is that we need and players are crying out for that individual approach even though we have got 20, 30, however many players that you deal with, everyone's an individual, individual positions, individual needs, um, individual injury histories and all the rest of it. So we, we are dealing with individuals within that team setting, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. And I like nobody has the same mental strength as like another player, you know? So you always have to take that into like calculation too, that, um, like just the mental aspect of that whole thing is also as important as the um, physical aspect of it, of like the individual needs from like, what do you mentioned? Um, an, is, um, an injury history or just like the player's needs or player's athletic development, when you want to call it like that. And that's like one thing that a skier is really good at, or like, especially the like competitive ski races, it's just like that mental aspect. They're so strong and they're barely breaking. And, and I suppose the other thing with it is that with skiing, you've got the, when I say one performance day, I know, I know you'll compete a number of times, but we're not competing every single weekend or twice a week, three times a week, sometimes like, like footballers. So I suppose there's something in that as well, isn't there? That um, I suppose any of the Olympic sports go through that cycle and then they have to perform at that time. And it's, it's quite nice to pick out from those sports as well, isn't it? in terms of yeah. more, I suppose, more mentally than physically in terms of the preparation? Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you see it like that, I mean, it's a huge difference if you have 90 minutes to make up for a mistake or if you have 90 seconds to make up for a mistake, you know, or especially um, also like peaking. Um, probably a soccer player has to peak to the end of the season. And a skier, they kind of, depends on how like good they are and what they want to achieve in the season I mean of course they're all great um they really peak probably every weekend and then they peak especially I don't know how few like 
say it different than that um, for a World Cup or like a World Championship or a uh, or the Olympics. So yeah. that's like super different in how you approach things. Um, so yeah, yeah, that they're the priorities then, aren't they? I suppose they're the the cup finals in a in yeah. a football or a soccer format. Um, whereas we're just having to constantly, like you say, football, we have to go right the way through the season, don't we? We have to continually perform. Um, there's going to be times yeah. it's going to put more stress on players than others through busy fixture periods and all the rest of it. But um, it's just interesting learning from and looking at different approaches of different different sports as well. Um, Lorena, you mentioned, obviously we've said that you're, at Bayern Munich, I don't think we've said, I think you mentioned before about the under-17s. What's your responsibility yeah. in terms of who are you directly working with at the club? Um, so, well, I'm directly working with two U-17 um, girls teams. So, which is basically, one is a proper U-17 team um, playing in the first league in their age group, and the other one is more or less um, a development team because here you don't have a U-15 um teams or you basically only have a u17 um but ours is actually kind of thought of as a u15 but they're um also having a few older players um that could also super like be um a u17 and but then they're playing competitively in a u17 league um so it's kind of a u17 and a former team over that that's what i'm um, directly working for but both um all female athletes yeah perfect and I was going to ask, when you're working with the female player, the female soccer player, footballer, whatever we want to call them, what are some key considerations? So especially anyone that's listening to the podcast that might have worked in the men's game or even not worked in, in football before, and they're going to be starting working with female players, what would your advice be for them? Like, What are some key considerations that they need to... Um, think about in terms of the programming and working with players? So the first thing and probably one of the most important things is especially when coming from a men's side to a women's side is that the development overall is like probably a few years behind. So if you have, for example, an athlete who is 14 years old coming to my team, um, I'm probably the first um person to ever teach them how to properly squat so they never had that like athletic development from early ages on so and on the men's side you have it with 10 year olds or maybe sometimes even younger so that's the thing you have to be aware of that the athlete you're like coaching on a women's side is just a bit more behind in the development it's not a bad thing it's just they didn't have the chances when they were younger because like they don't have the same chances um and then it's probably a lot of people have to get away from the fact that you have to like train female athletes different than men. So that you have to, I don't know, use different exercises or whatever. That's in my opinion, that's completely like the wrong approach. Um, so sometimes you have to be aware that a female body is different than a men's body or like a male body, but that doesn't mean you have to train them differently. So they can also squat, they can deadlift, they can use heavy weights, which, which is super important. Um, they also can sprint the same amount that like their male counterparts can. But then you also have to be aware that, for example, during um, the menstrual cycle, um, that a female body is just acting a bit different in just that few, like in the 
weeks of the month. Um, that sounds horrible. I'm sorry. Um, but also, especially if it's a youth development, um, a female body is changing a lot more in like their teenage years than a male body does. And they're like also kind of getting to know their body more or in a different way than it did a few years ago. So you have to be aware um, of that. And then also it's girls, you know, they're like super easily influenced by everything that they hear from like all over social media, like all that Instagram crap. Sorry to say that. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that, but you can yeah, swear. That, Go for it. <laughs> don't tell it a lot. Um, so yeah, you have to just create more of an awareness probably because they're they tend to be more insecure and more easily influenced by um outside by their outside environment than um boys are and you mentioned before about um and, and there's obviously a lot of female players that have been through like a full youth development program and they'll get to 14 15 or whatever and they've had a, a good few years experience when you get those girls in the gym but then alongside them are, are also girls that are stepping into that environment for the first time like like you mentioned before how easy do you find that to sort of uh get them both working at the right level if you I've, I've asked that really badly but you get what I mean <laughs> yeah, yeah I get it um so actually I have to admit that I that's not something I really had to work with a lot because in Germany things were quite a bit different than they do in the UK. So we don't really have that development that, that you guys do. Um, but I would probably go just from the way that I'm working with. So I keep my um, choice of exercise pretty basic. And first, when I meet a new player, I just want to see how they move, um, of course, by like a test battery, but also then like I had them um, a barbell and be like, okay, just go and do a squat and then I go from there so um it's basically always the same like arrangement of exercises and then you have like of course varieties when it comes to um the weight that they're exposed to or whatever um but I want them to basically have like a, a ground like a basic level of like things they can do and I'm not pushing them further until like all of them have like um that basic level and if a, a athlete is a bit far behind then I have to spend of course a, a few more like sessions or hours teaching them so that they get on that level but then I can also go and be like okay if you're a more advanced athlete or if you're further in your development please help me out and please um, help your teammates out you know just by also kind of instructing them how to do exercise or just help them which creates also a, po a more positive environment within the team, but also creates an educational factor for, um, for the athletes so that they get more of an awareness of like their body of their exercises while we're doing stuff, all that kind of stuff. Just a very quick community update. If you're not already a member of our online community, I mentioned at the start of the episode, our upcoming networking events, all those uh, presentations from those events will be uploading onto our community where we already have a number of webinars and presentations available to watch as well as member benefits. And we've just added two more member benefits. So we've got discount on Olympus Online, which is a high quality SNC 
program with three different pathways from James Ralph, who trains a number of different Premier League players. So there's 20% off those programs and also a discount on the Strength Coach Curriculums Agility Course by Rich Clark. So go and check those out. If you're already a member, just go to the Member Benefits tab and you can see the discount codes there. If you're not already a member, make sure you go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign up for your free month, and then after your free month, it's only £4.99 per month. Join recent sign-ups. We've had sign-ups from all over the place, from the Football League, the Slovenia FA, the Irish FA, Greece, Czech Republic, and plenty of other um, countries and leagues as well. So it's great to see. Um, so make sure you go and claim that offer of the free month by going to footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab and sign up there. Here's part two of the podcast with Lorena. Yeah, that's a really good point. I suppose it's what we refer to as like peer learning, learning from um, your fellow players. Um, and it's a, quite a powerful tool that, isn't it? Especially when you've got influential players that are, that are working or maybe getting good results in the gym. Um, and they can yeah. learn a lot, can't they, from, from fellow teammates? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that is the thing that's also... Because we're not like always getting a new roster every year. So we have a few players that are with our team for like three years. And then we have new players coming up. And because, of course, they're, they're kids, they interact with each other a lot easier. So we like they form new friendships or whatever. So they learn from each other in that way, too, without me pushing. But um, that's all also very beneficial, of course, for my work, because that makes a lot of things very easy. And then, you know, of course, you have that like, peak talents that are just so athletic uh like so good like athletic wise um and then you they create that like competitiveness in the weight room so they kind of always want to outlift each other and that's also very beneficial for like their development without even trying to enforce it in that way you know that's that's crucial as well isn't it i've seen so many great videos of coaches utilizing competitiveness with with players because they're all competitive aren't they when they're in a sport like football they want to compete whether it's out on the training pitch whether it's in a stadium or whether it's in the gym and there's definitely we need to utilize that as coaches don't we not all the time but there's definitely certain times that that needs to be used isn't there yeah absolutely and that's also makes them more resistant i think when it comes to like performing in like a real competition, you know, like on the game. So when you, even if it's just like a little like catch play during warm up or something, um, competitiveness and like competing in like a game, even though it's a warm up, always helps um, fuel the minds and keep them more aware during the whole training session because they have this like rise in attention when it, you just bring in that like little spike of competitiveness during training yeah 100%. that's what like i think yeah, yeah no i agree i agree you mentioned before as well about your screening process or when you first get players into the gym or maybe into the squad um you talked about like a um, an actual screening but then also getting the player moving getting them training can you break that yeah. down a little bit can you give us a little insight into your approach because i know a lot of people have different views on this people have different approaches i'll just be interested to hear what yours is 
Yeah, so the thing is, we don't really have a lot of time during the week, um, even if it's preseason. So we also don't really have a lot of time for proper testing. Um, but like one of the key aspects that I always want to work on is, is this, the test that I'm doing right now actually giving me the information that I want to have, you know, like it, if I do three different tests and none of them tell me anything, it's just a waste of time in my opinion. Um, so right now I have this little test battery, which is basically a combination of movement screening that I can do with every athlete without any tools, basically just on like what I see. And then it's um, like a core stability stuff or like movement thing again, just more focused on like core stability strength because that's really crucial in youth development too because when they come in they lack any kind of core control if i don't really like the word core so Mm -hmm. but just like upper body control and movement control um and then it's a few sprint exercises and um one shuffle run but i don't really like like just like long endurance running things because they're soccer players they barely run 90 minutes in the same pace so um i just want to do a bit of like different distances um with a bit of a cutting approach and all that so what i'm doing in detail is i have like a squat movement screen then i have a thing that we call here it's like shoulder taps um so it's basically an upper plank position and it just go from like where they are left hand to right shoulder and the other way um then i have a short distance sprint, long distance sprint, an L drill, which I kind of stole from football, uh, like American football, but it's really beneficial. I can absolutely um, recommend that drill. And then it's like a short shuffle run. And just by the way they move, you see a lot, especially when a players that just come to your team for the first time. And you can like do it with every athlete. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's maybe one training session. And probably every coach on that level is willing to give you that one training session and you don't really need a lot of like all the sense equipment so it's just quick and easy and also you can replicate it more so it's easier to do it within the season more than if you need fancy equipment that's a great point there's a lot of people in a similar situation as well that one well there'll be a few restrictions people are under in terms of finance but also time I think time is probably yeah. the main one, isn't it? And if you can get a process like that, how long would that take, do you think, to run a, a whole squad of players through? Um, so I always get the help of, like, everybody that's around me. So I, like, I get our head coaches, co-coaches, our physios in. So if we have, like, a full training squad, which is around 23 players, it takes up to, like, an hour because I, like, they rotate obviously yeah. um so we kind of set it up um early and be like okay you coach you do that exercises and then they rotate so it's um more effective that way but it's probably not more than one and a half hours yeah, at most. yeah. so if you consider warm-up and everything in which we do together then it's maximum one and a half hours which is like one training session in our um leg at Bayern. perfect and obviously this is data essentially that you can take forward and um, plan the program around um, increasing and and trying to make those results or those numbers better can't you it's something really relatable in terms of your 
position as a coach? Like, where do you think you can make the greatest impact with players at that age? So if we're talking like under 15 to under 17, that sort of age group, who are getting ready for essentially stepping into not far off being first team ready, where do you feel like yeah. you can make the greatest impact as a coach? Um, so I think the greatest impact I'm probably making is not um, it's, it's not really on like the athletic part, but more of the like interhuman interaction. So one of my key focuses is actually educating them, as I mentioned before. Um, so they, I want them to know why we're doing certain things and to create awareness for how they move and what is good for their body. Um, so that is probably one of the key aspects or like the most um, impact that I have. And then also on that, like how, like how a relationship between a coach and an athlete can be. So probably some of my players <laughs> will come for me at that. Uh, but I think I have a pretty good relationship with most of my players um, because I'm like a super honest person and um, I'm also super uh, open. So my players can ask me anything. And I think especially when you want to stay in a sport um, on that level, you have to learn that you can trust your coach and that it's not helpful when your coach is always like, okay, yeah, if you do a mistake, we're going to do run uh, laps all the time, which is like punishment, but also that's like interpersonal relationship between a coach and an athlete. So that's like the two main aspects that I probably have the most impact in. And then also like I'm developing a basis, but it's, really complicated right now with COVID especially um, so we don't make enough progress or the progress that I want to make or that we probably should make but um, because of like restrictions um, but yeah so education and interhuman relationship that's probably the most impactful for me and when I, when I ask people that sort of question that's a lot of the time the answer I think <laughs> I think oh, really? some people would expect it to be, oh, we do this type of squat or this type of speed work or whatever it is. But I think you're 100% with that. Like there's more to it than that, isn't there? Like the, they're the technical sides, whereas the, the personal yeah. side is massive, isn't it, as a, as a coach? Um, you've touched on there basically creating buy-in with your players and getting the backing and the trust what about with yeah. coaches, so fellow coaches, so the head coach, physios, um, anyone else that you'll interact with at the club? Is that a similar sort of approach that you would take in terms of um, getting buy-in from those practitioners as well? Or is there anything else that, that sort of jumps out and you focus on? Well, the thing is, um, I mean, I got lucky with our head coaches, um, so they're super easy going and they know what they're able to do and they know what I'm able to do and they know that what they're able to do is, is exactly what I'm able to do so we don't really mix or headbutt um but as I said I like I probably like an open environment more so like communication wise so I'm always probably an open person sometimes I'm a bit too honest uh, which probably doesn't go well with a few people but um I just want to have like a positive communication so we don't really have this like clash of interest um uh, but I also I'm not shy of telling them like what they're doing is it's not really what I want them to do um or like when I have the feeling that they're interfering with um 
my job. So there's boundaries, but there's also that like open communication that's for me and like really necessary if you want to create a positive environment. Um, and also a coach is also a person who can learn, you know, like we're not, we always learn from each other. Like I learned from like listening to your podcast or um, I learned from speaking to different coaches. And I also learned from speaking to our head coach because um, the technical side is not what I'm best in, but I can also put that in good use for my work. Um, and then also on the other hand, our head coach can use my work and like exercises I'm doing and things I want to teach the girls in his exercises. So we're always working with each other, learning from each other, developing with each other, and therefore growing the team to be um, better. So I think the basis of it all is just a good communication aspect and to have an open and honest conversation. And that's just like, be like, oh yeah, everything is just perfect. And we're also being nice to each other, but then behind the back, we're just talking trash about each other. That's not what I do. I think you've made a really good point there because we talk about like relationships, communication, things like that all the time. But the honesty side of it is important as well, isn't it? Because we don't want to be, we, we always say about being yes men or yes women where the head coach will ask you a question and you'll just agree and just say, yeah, yeah, I agree. Whereas yeah. you're there to support, aren't you? So if it's something that you don't agree with or it's something that you think could be done better, that's the point. Yeah to be brave, stand up and give you, give your point across, isn't it? And that's, that's obviously where you've built that, that buy-in and trust from the head coach or head coaches, because you've, you've had the confidence to do that. Exactly. Yeah. But also um, I know when to not overstep, like yeah. sometimes it's better to just be quiet because it's the thing that first of all, will cause probably too much trouble or issue and you just don't want to handle that right now um but then of course it's probably sometimes it's smarter to not fight people on everything even though you have a different um opinion about stuff like that 100%. you know it's just you probably want to add in a smart communication into that whole thing too you know know your position know your like boundaries because especially in a club there's like a hierarchy you know you can't just always tell your opinion to the sports director that will probably get you fired in a second um so yeah just be smart about it be charming about it but also know your like point of view know your position and then also be willing to fight for it if it goes too far you know just it's a bit of a gray zone you there's no, not really a wrong or right or like a good buy-in um, advisor on it always also depends a lot on the people you're working with as I said I got very lucky with the people I'm working with um, but I can definitely imagine and I definitely heard from other coaches that I'm actually the lucky one because they're having to fight a lot of harder battles than I have to yeah no it's a great point isn't it and I think that comes down to experience doesn't it knowing when to give your opinion and when to sort of sit back and, and stay quiet or when to challenge something and when to just accept that, okay, that isn't the way I necessarily want it done, but I'll pick exactly. my battles. I'll decide not to go into this battle and I'll go into the next one. What I wanted to ask as well, which ties in a little bit into what we've been talking about preparing youth players for the first team. Essentially, that, that's your job, isn't it? You're getting them ready to go into first team demands. 
Do you have any standards, any certain KPIs that we're trying to hit um, with those players? Is there anything in particular or is it treating each individual as they come? Well, it's probably very specific um, for each individual um, in the first place. But first of all, um, it's in my place, I'm not preparing them for our first team because our first team is like super good as you probably uh, heard in the news or wherever um so the step would be way too big but luckily we have a u20 team so my job is basically to prepare them the best as possible to um be able to play in our u20 team which because of, of german regulations is always is also more or less a u19 team so a pretty young one um i think we now have an average age of nearly I think 17 and a half years or something. Um, so what my main goal is, or like my main K KPI that I also communicate with um, the SC coach of our U20 team is that they have to have, or have to be able to do certain movement patterns. So they should be able to um, perform a squat and deadlift again, or like a variety of, um, of those. It's not really necessary that they have to like outlift everybody else it's more about um that they're actually able to do that because in our u20 team um the standards and the use of the weight room and everything like that changes a bit so they have a lot more um accessibility to stuff than i do right now especially um so i want them to be able to move so that they can take this like movement quality to the U20 and then develop their strength um, more when they're there. I mean, of course, it's um, it's always a different move when you load it than when you not load it. But I just don't want them to be totally non uh, like non movers at all. You probably know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and then I want them to have like a basic speed, you know, um, to be smart movers too. So especially when it comes to like cutting or change of direction, I, I want them to be able to move efficiently, especially in that, because that's also the difference on the pitch. You know, do you have to make one step more or do you not have to do that one step more? So that's probably my main KPI. So move smart, move efficiently, efficient. What's the English word? Yeah, efficiently. Efficient. Yeah. 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 Um, and then also, move in a way you don't hurt yourself. Yeah. Um, and when you achieve those KPIs, um, even when I'm working right now, you, you reduce this like injury risk and everything that comes with it. So, and then, the, then you can take that to the U20 and then maybe to our first team or to other like professional senior women's teams in Germany or outside of Germany. Yeah, perfect. No, that's awesome. And then obviously you'll link up with the coaches at, at the under-20 team as well to update them on where, where players are up to and the sort of level, because I'm guessing some are going to be progressing quicker or be in different positions than others. Yes, yes. And also that communication, I think, is essential in um, youth development. So you have to pull on the same string, you know, if the U20 team is pulling in a different direction than the U17 team, then the chances are like at a minimum that you are um, like actually efficient as like a club or as a team, you know, in one way or the other, because 
in the end, the goal is to have like a long-term athletic development. So if I say like in a drastic way, when you buy it or like when you pull a player to your team, you want them to end up somewhere. And that is in, well, in our, it's the first time it's a U20, but then when they're really, really good, it's like, okay, maybe they have a chance if they develop properly in the U20 to be in a roster for our senior team. So if you don't communicate within like your department, then that like plan for a player is technically thrown out of the window. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, Lorena, that's been that's been brilliant to break that down. I think it's, it shows a really good um, pathway that's happening at the club, and obviously where you fit into that as well. Um, yeah. We'll move on to some of the quick fire questions now <laughs> the, that we finish up with the podcast. So yeah. the the first one being, who are some of the biggest influences on your career so far? Um, okay, one of probably the biggest influences in my career right now is uh, Evie Casagrande. Shout out to her. I probably pronounced her last name wrong, but I'm sorry. I think you've nailed it. I think you've nailed it. <laughs> um, so yeah, she's like a super big influence from the very first beginning. Um, and then Nick Ward from Altus, really lovely guy, but we connect more in the skiing level of things. Um, and then one of my really, really good friends that I have super good communicate um, conversations with is Julia from White Lions Performance. So they are probably the three people that are most influential in my career and also the ones that I know I can reach out to. And then, of course, I have some like people I, I often talk to you as um, Dave, who you had on the podcast last time on Wednesday. Um, and of course, some from my coaching environment that are, whose opinions I really highly um, like. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but uh, Evie, Nick and Julia are probably my top three to go to. Yeah. All that have been on the podcast before. I'm, I'm pleased with that. <laughs> I, think, I think Evie's one of the only that have got a hat trick as well, which is awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, but three brilliant coaches there, some top practitioners. One thing I want to ask though, Lorena, you said you, you struggled understanding me at the start of the podcast before we were recording. How yeah. did you speak to David? Um, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I struggled with it too, but I don't know. Like a good friend of mine is also Irish, so I kind of understand her, and that's where it's coming from. But <laughs> I, it's really hard, and I kind of piece it together. I understand you. Slightly bit better than Dave. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Next question. Um, this is my favorite one. What would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Um, God, that's a really tough one. I should have thought about that before. Over <laughs> there. Um, it's probably the the way I am as a coach. Um, so the way that I communicate with the, um, uh, with the girls and then nah, they might fight me on that, but I think I'm hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just, it's probably really the way that I, um, like do things, you know, like my, probably my style of coaching because everything else is just pretty basic because the basics work. So, yeah, great yeah. point. 
if there's any yeah. of the girls listening, let us know how funny Lorena is as well. You can you can reach out and let us know. <laughs> oh God, I don't even want to know the answers. I did say a few episodes ago, I need to start asking players that question about the coach before I get the coach on, just to see what they say, see if they agree or not. I might try that for a future episode. Um, I'd bruise my ego way too bad for that. <laughs> Or it might lift it up. You never know. It could be a positive. It could be a negative. Who knows? They're super honest, so I'm scared. Yeah, well, (laughs) we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Final one. What is your approach to CPD or continued learning? Like, is there anything that sort of jumps out to you that you've maybe read, listened to, watched a conversation that you feel has had a big impact on your practice? Well, of course, first and foremost is the conversations you have with like fellow coaches, you know, is also that like you kind of stay in touch with a lot of coaches because when you grow that relationship, you always learn from each other, as I said before, and you talk like different conversations with the coaches when you're like more connected on a personal level. But then I looked it up earlier and I forgot. So my bad. Um, I love Erin McLeod's podcast. So shout out to her. She's probably one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And um, she has this um, mindful project that's called, it's a lot about mindfulness and awareness and her podcast is really good. So you have to give it a listen. She's also one of those who thinks that they're hilarious. Um, (laughs) She's probably funnier than I am, (laughs) but yeah, shout out to Erin for that. And then, um, it's about like always challenging yourself too. So like reading a lot of articles, but also then know what you're not good at or what you don't know and yeah. then be willing to work on that. So it's a lot of reading because there's always something that you don't know. So the, the, actually the things that you know, is like that big. And then it's just a world full of things that you don't know. So always educate yourself no matter what, like that's what I'm doing. So Actually, I signed up to do my um, CSCS right now. Um, I always push it away because I kind of was like, yeah, I'm not sure if I want to do that or not, because it's kind of like, I have a feeling that it's not giving me a lot Mm. um, professional wise, but then I'm like, okay, like 80% of the people don't make it. So why am I like the the ones that first of all, don't try. And then why shouldn't I be like 20% that make it? So Mm. yeah. that's like my approach to things no that's brilliant no that's that's top Lorena I always ask at the end of the podcast if people want to reach out if they want to ask you questions if they want want to get into conversations about certain topics where would you direct them is it is it social media like where would you say to to go and shout you out well um probably because my Instagram is private (laughs) because I kind of want to keep things a bit more private it's easier to um to reach to me through Twitter, it's uh, Lorena Sumser. Um, yeah. So basically, first name, last name, one word. Um, but then also, you can always um, like just DM me on Instagram, even though it's not private. I can always choose to reply or not, but I probably will reply. Um, and it's Lorena S9. Um, so yeah, or you just, I'm not sure. Did I give you my email? I'm not sure. Um, um, no, but it's up to you whether you want to say it or not, or people can right, just reach out through Twitter. Uh, and- probably. Twitter and Instagram is uh, easiest. Perfect. Brilliant. Well, 
thank you very much for coming on, Lorraine. I really appreciate you doing it. I think there's been some <laughs> cool discussion points in there. And um, yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. Perfect. Well, take care. Take care, right? Thank you for listening to episode 175 of the podcast. It was great to have Lorena on. Um, you can go and follow her over on social media at Lorena Sumza, S-U-M-S-E-R. Um, good takeaways on this one from me were in, in terms of trusting your own ability first. I think it's a really key point for coaches to really get that trust behind your ability as a coach and that'll rub off in, in terms of people having confidence and trust in what you do. Taking responsibility, massive, massive point that one. Um, people talk about like dropping your ego and all that sort of thing, but I think taking responsibility for good and bad situations is a really key point. We spoke about sort of peer learning as well and how you can incorporate that into your coaching. I think another really important point and something that can be really utilised in the coaching practice as well. Um, competitiveness in the gym environment with players. So it doesn't need to be all the time, but there's definitely certain times you can get more out of training sessions by just increasing that competitiveness. We are working with competitive animals at the end of the day, so we can thrive on that and use that at certain times. And then a real common um, area of discussion, open communication. So having open communication with different people Lorena obviously spoke about some of the biggest influences on her career and the fact that she can have open conversations with those people. And I think it's really important to have that network of people around you that you can reach out to as well. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, please give this a share. And if you haven't left us a review, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review with a short comment just on what you um, enjoyed the most. Maybe it's the guest, a certain topic. And I think you can now do it over on Spotify as well. I don't think you leave a review. I think you literally just click the five stars. The more support we can get on these episodes, the better. So I really do appreciate it. Now, just a little sneak peek. Next week, episode 176 is with a former head of medical and an author Someone that I'm sure a lot of people have either worked with or heard of within the game. And it's absolutely brilliant, the episode. He goes into so much different stuff, so many great stories. Um, it was one of the most fun episodes I've rec recorded so far. So I'm really excited to bring that to you. So that's episode 176. So make sure you go and check that one out as well. But again, big thank you to you guys for listening and also to Lorena for giving up her time and coming on the podcast. And I'll speak to you again next week in episode 176.